Hello and welcome to episode 156 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode is with Karina. Karina is the mother of a young child who was recently diagnosed, and a lot of this episode centers around fear. But it's not just about being the parent of a child with type 1. It's about so much more. I really hope you listen. The Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod. There'll be ads in the show for both of these devices. I hope you listen to those as well and check out the links in the show notes. You can always go to Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox to find out more about the best continuous glucose monitor I've ever seen, or to find out more about tubeless insulin pumping. Go to MyOmnipod.com forward slash Juicebox. I want to thank you guys again for listening and for sharing the show. I can see it in the downloads. Very much appreciated. Please know that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. My name is Karina, and my son, Mac, was diagnosed with type 1 uh, at 10 months old in 2016. So he's just had his one year, as I've learned, it's a thing, the one year type 1 diagnosis uh, anniversary on March March 4th. How are things for you guys since the diagnosis? Have, have things improved, or are you still, are you in a holding pattern? How's it going? Well, I mean, it's day-to-day, right? <laughs> just when you think you've mastered it. And you never really do. It's uh, it changes again. So I think I'm like, yay! I'm we've got this under control. I know how to control this. And then, you know, something and then, happens. And then something <laughs> happens, and it's all gone. And you're like, oh. you don't know what it is. <laughs> and we're like, what did you do? Like it's accusatory. Uh, the accusing starts with my my partner. I'm like, what did you feed him? Why did you give him? How much insulin did you give him? So the battles begin, and he's like, you're crazy. And <laughs> And nothing happened, and we feed him the same thing, and something different happens. So I've learned, uh, which is out of my character because I like to be in control, uh, that it's okay that I haven't done anything wrong, and um, we're just going to keep on finding more tools, which I want to say thank you to you because uh, I don't think we'd even be where we are today without me stumbling upon your podcast, and uh, it's helped us immensely to live in those ebb and flows and also take back some control with giving more insulin and also easing up on the carbs. I was a bit carb crazy and food crazy where I was like, he can't have vegetables, he can't have fruit, he can't have rice, he can't have anything. So you've actually helped me loosen up a little bit there too. So uh, well, I want to hear the thank you from him because he was probably, he was probably <laughs> eating some pretty na- nasty stuff for a little kid, right? He, or, yeah. or did he take to the vegetables and things or? Oh yeah. He's, well, he's a big eater, which is also a concern because I've, you know, it's, it's just like a snowball effect of research. So I started researching that some type one kids or some type one people have um, issues with feeling that satiated feeling. So they start to eat more, and so I was then thinking, oh my god, he's going to be obese, and he's only ten months old, and so <laughs> yeah, that's where my head goes. <laughs> so I have to ask you two things. You said two things in my mind that conflict, right? And and I'm 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 aware of it, kind of hyper so, and nobody knows. They'll know by the time yours comes on. But I've interviewed a lot of people recently who have described their 
significant other is their partner. And I don't usually do oh. I don't usually <laughs> dwell into it, but it's yeah. your personal thing. But then you said that your partner called you crazy. So initially <laughs> when you said partner, I thought, oh, probably lesbian. And yeah. then when you said called me crazy, <laughs> I just when you said crazy, I just yeah. went, Oh, just not married to the guy. And exactly. so- <laughs> And he hates it. He's like, Stop calling me your partner. I'm like, Well, what are you? Like my boyfriend? Like we have a child. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but see, I just I just brought that up totally. So that I could show off my my powers of of, of consideration. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy I, think they call women crazy, and it's irritating. I don't think he physically called me crazy, in a, like, with all due respect to him, but I know that he's probably thinking it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, so this is even better. He's not calling you crazy. You're doing something and thinking he probably rightly could call me crazy yeah. right now. Yeah, I'm pretty self-aware. I know when I'm a bit out of control. Good, so Good for you. He just kind of like spinning, going, oh, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that helps. has nothing to do with why we're talking, but I'm delighted <laughs> by it. So thank you very much. Yeah, that's a fun layer to the whole type one thing because you know how how much maintenance there is. <laughs> so <laughs> were you quote unquote crazy before the diabetes? Oh, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> with different things. We would go shopping to buy furniture and we'd be like literally coming home and he's like, now Karina, I know you want to set this up right away, but it's this time we need to eat. So can we just agree that you will, um, we'll wait till after I promise right when we get home after we eat, we will put it together. And I'm like, I will try my very best. <laughs> so I like, I'm a, I like to get things done. I want to, I just, you know, I want to get it done. I want to figure it out. I want to, you know, solve it, which is why this is such a nightmare with type one. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I hear that. And so, and so I have two questions based off that has, has, I'm, we're going to continue to call you crazy. And by the way, this yeah. episode is so close <laughs> to being called crazy Karina. I have no, I can't begin to tell you. I'm so sorry, but I'm, I'm leaning that way right now. And so, and I'll try and swing you around near the end. <laughs> you'll swing it around. <laughs> so did your, you know, you said there were some things you used to be more concerned about than you are now, and it's sort of shifted for you. And at the same time, looking into your personality and the idea that you want to kind of figure things out and complete them and, and those sorts of things. Has that, did it initially drive you in a bad way? And is it, is it a better driver for you now? And if so, what changed between that and now? Well, I think I've always used it to be a positive thing. Um, like I said, I'm pretty self-aware, so there's not much that you're going to tell me that I don't already know. Um, I don't mean you personally, I mean people in general. So I think that, you know, I, I've learned in the past how to either explain more. I have a stepdaughter that's 13, so we learned pretty quickly about um, not just telling her no, 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 but just to say, hey, we're saying no because of this, this, and this. And that extra explanation doesn't make up for the craziness. I'm going to try and find another word, but it doesn't make up for that, but it at least helps give it context. So I think that I have, um, you know, the benefit of, of the benefit of the research and and listening to people that are going through it like yourself has given me the context, which I needed. And that's helped because it gives me that sense that I don't have to do all the work myself. I don't have to do every ounce of research. No, I think that it's it's also when you're an adult and you've you know you're pretty far into your life at this point. Not much of what happens in the course of a day do you not have context for, right? And so yeah. so nothing seems too surprising or off-putting. And most things you know that are yeah. right, you're like, oh, I know what to do here. Exactly. And, and, and then someone throws something in that not only do you have no context for, you don't even know the words they're using to describe it. 
and <laughs> and it and it appears very attached to the life and death decisions you're going to make about a ten month old. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, I think the other part is is I'm used to. Uh, I have no problem questioning, and I probably question a little bit too much. But um, you know, when the medical team after his diagnosis, after Max's diagnosis, uh, told us what to do, I thought we do this and we feed him this, and this is the outcome. And that was never the case. So, like when you start to do the research and you understand, like, hey, um, you're supposed to um, you're supposed to get these results, and you're not getting them, then I start to question what I'm being told. Yeah. So. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is is really basic. It's a basic thing that happens to everybody. They gave you they gave you basic tools, like stripped down <laughs> tools, and said, when you do this, this will happen. And, yeah. and that never happens. And when it does happen, it almost seems like a mistake when it happens, right? Doesn't it almost yeah. seem, it almost seems like it not happening is what's supposed to happen. <laughs> and yeah. when it actually goes the way they said, you're like, oh, that, how did that happen? You know, like, how did we actually end up in the right place? It, it's, um, it, it's, a. I still, I struggle with it a little bit. Like I, I still hear myself from back in the day when I think like, I get that they try to walk you through it slowly. <laughs> Right. I do understand that. And then the me that's lived through this podcast for over, you know, well over 100 episodes now realizes that a lot of people can hear this information in a more compressed way and absorb it and make it actionable. Um, it doesn't seem like that thing that I was taught 10 years ago stands true for everybody. And by the way, I'm assuming it's it's right for some people. But I just think that the doctors have gotten to a point where they just kind of lowest common denominator the whole thing. So if one out of 10 people they see during the day doesn't have the, I don't know, the, the, the confidence or the ability to absorb everything at once and put it into practice in a, in a fairly short amount of time, then they don't bother telling it to anyone. Yeah. And I mean, I, and that's exactly true, too. Like we, we were, um, you know, we were, Mac was in DKA and in critical care and we get released into the regular so we're at um in toronto at the sick children's hospital which is an amazing hospital my nephew um coincidentally i don't know if it's coincidental but um had a heart transplant so he was there when he was an infant so like we know the hospital very very well and the teams there are amazing now they've saved both you know my nephew's life and my son's life so we're indebted to them but you come out and you go into diabetes daycare upon discharge and, you know, I hadn't done research at that point because you're just done. Like, you know, seven days ago, my, my son and I just had a cold, yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't have diabetes. We we had a cold, but this was it. Like, that's why he wasn't eating. That's why he was sick. Um, and then now he's got type one and I'm, you know, stunned. We're exhausted and we go in to learn how to care for our child. And they're saying, you're going home at the end of the day and you're going to be giving your child needles. And I was like, you're insane. Yeah. No, <laughs> We're not leaving. We're staying here. <laughs> I don't want to go home. Um, so, and then you learn like only 1% of the population of the di type one diabetic population has, it has diabetes this young. And so then even in the hospital in critical care, he was, we were, so in critical care, uh, they have one nurse per patient and he was only in critical care for a couple days, three days, maybe. And uh, at one point, They'd, so they'd taken him off intravenous and gave him his first injection. Mm -hmm. I think I think it was that. I can't remember if it was just. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, I think it was that he, they'd given him his first injection, and then um, he was going low to the point where he, um, she took his blood, and he was 1.9. 
and his eyes are rolling back and I'm like, we're losing him. We're losing him. And she's like, I know. And you never see critical care nurses panic ever. Right. And she was losing her mind and she was looking for the, the code button. And I was like, what the hell is going on? Like you guys, you guys should know this. Like why, why is my son going low? <laughs> like, like, so then it sort of gave me the feeling like they don't get this many children this young, which they do. But that was my sense. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about because everything you have is geared towards an older child. Even in our diabetes daycare, we show up and there's like play toys, but there's no crib. I'm like, my son's 10 months old. Like, what? we can't sit here for, for the whole day. Like, he needs to sleep. Like, the lights are all on. It was just like, it was nuts. It, I was like, it didn't feel oh. like it was it was kind of focused on kids that, that small. And then it seemed, no. it seemed like the care was also going in that direction. So do something for me real quick for the rest of us who don't live in Canada. One, mm-hmm. one, can you put 1.9 onto my scale? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I meant to do that. I was going to do all my calculations for you. I was going to be so impressive to you, but anyway, I'm not. So 1.9 times 18 is 34.2. Good job. (laughs) By the way, people, there's going to be bleeps in this episode because Karina's not going to be able not to curse apparently. No, but that's okay. Yeah, Every once in a while, you hear squash court too. There'll <laughs> be a gap in time. It's the yeah. Canadian thing, probably. It is. So, yeah, we're not nice. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You said you think it. You're not sure if it's coincidental that you had a family member in the same hospital. And I thought because of a Canadian, Alanis Morissette, I don't even understand what ironic means anymore. So, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've had it wrong the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure it's not coincidence in this instance. It's, uh, I guess, bad, bad luck. Because <laughs> <laughs> of bad luck, yeah. That makes it more <laughs> What did they do to us? We both had kids that are after, oh, uh, I'm going to stop talking. Here's a great reason why I love Omnipod. So their ad this week that they pay for, they want me to tell you this. 90% of customers say purchasing decisions are influenced by online reviews. Because of this, it's important to encourage reviews on channels like Google. Moreover, positive reviews are fantastic because it helps them to understand what they're doing right, but reviews that are critical that help them understand what they're not doing right or what they could be doing better are also really, really valuable for them as a company and for you as a user. So they don't just want to hear that you love the Omnipod, but if you do, please reach out and let them know. If you have something you really think they need to understand, something that could help you or other people that use the tubeless insulin pump, share it. Be constructive. So Omnipod is soliciting reviews through Google reviews, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes. If you use the Omnipod insulin management system for yourself or for a loved one, please consider taking a brief moment to write a Google review. I'm going to give you the link in the show notes again, like I said. It would be easy to be cynical and say, yeah, this guy's getting paid to say this. Or they've been using this insulin pump forever. But I'm telling you, in my heart, I would never let someone put an ad on this show that I didn't believe in. And trust me, other people have asked, and you don't hear their ads here. You can always go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to try a free, no obligation demo pod today. When you do that, they'll know you came through the podcast. That link is also in the show notes. There's no way to beat free with no obligation. I absolutely love Omnipod, and I think you will too. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. You can also always use links that are at juiceboxpodcast.com or in your show notes. Don't forget to leave that review. So then I'm supposed to take my kid home and be able to help him. So for a long time, it was the lows that scared me so much because I, I was just like, I saw him nearly passing out. From, a, from something that a medical professional did. <laughs> 
idea. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So for a long time, again, until I started listening to your podcast and the one that was, um, oh God, I can't remember. Um, Be Bold with Insulin was the game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I literally, I didn't have time. You know, there's only so much time in the day. I work full time. Um, I go to school at night. Uh, so I just don't have much time to read and get stuff. So I literally cram my education via podcast on the way to work. And then I recognized, oh, great, I can also listen to the podcast while I run, which is a beautiful thing because I forget that I'm actually exercising and in pain. So I love it. Um, <laughs> I can help. Yes, thank you so much. But the Be Bold with Insulin, I literally came back to my run. I'm like, okay, I said, if he's above 12, 12 which is... If he's above, oh, that seems high, which seems obvious, but if he's above 216, um, we're stopping it. Like, I'm not letting him go that high. Whereas before, like, my doctors were like, you don't treat him, you don't treat a high. At all? No. It was like, he agreed because of the stacking, which is one of the questions. So, back to my running. So, the problem with the running was I have all these questions while I'm listening to your podcast. Mm. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have a pen. So, I started using Siri to take my notes. So I'd like literally write down notes so that I could go back and figure out questions I could ask you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I, uh, the I'm starting to feel more thing. pressure about the podcast now, but, no. but no, 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 no. Seriously. I, I think that first of all, I think that's amazing. And I think it's, you know, I think it's, um, it's indicative of the part you're in right now. You, you know what I mean? Like everything brings up a new question and, mm-hmm. and, and everything is, is scary because the doctor told you to do this. And then now you're out in the community and you're hearing, well, other people do this. And, um, you know, now they tell you not to stack insulin for a very simple reason, because you can't tell if it's, if you've stacked it up and it's all going to start working at the same time and, and crush your blood sugar. Um, I, I'm, you know, I say all the time, I'm very much more free with it than I could be if we didn't have a, a, a CGM, a Dexcom CGM. Um, so I can see my daughter's blood sugar when it starts to fall. Uh, yeah, we didn't start that until we had the CGM. I didn't obviously feel comfortable because I've not, I mean, we've had times where we've poked him before the CGM like 22 times. Yeah, you like, just get out of your mind. You're, you, just, you can't figure out what's happening. And so you yeah. just, you, you feel like you need to keep knowing. Well, so you did get, you, you did get a Dexcom or did you get a different one? Yep. No, we got the Dexcom. We, um, I think again, listening to your podcast helped give us a little bit more context of what to do because there's so much out there. And um, we also, he's so little, like to put something on his body, that was a big thing for us. Like I really wanted, you know, him to be able to make those decisions. But we tr- we did a trial one over Christmas um, with a G4. The G5 wasn't out in, in Canada yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was this past December, obviously, um, we have the same Christmas. Uh, so it was, uh, we did a trial and honestly, I haven't slept so well in, since he was diagnosed. So I thought for everyone's sake, um, it was just the, the right thing to do. And, and our insurance company doesn't cover it yet. So it's obviously a bit of an expense, but, um, I'm sure that they will cover eventually. And, uh, we got it officially, we got the G5. We waited for the, we waited until the G5 came out in February and so now we've been on it since I think um, I think we got it in early March, late February. Wow! Can you see his blood sugar right now on your phone? Yeah, I'm not looking at it because I'm looking at the calculator. But uh, I'm actually pretty good. I thought that I, you know, there's some days where I'm looking all the time and I'm like, do I call daycare? Do I call call daycare? And then I just wait for that five minutes and I'm like, okay, the arrow's going the right way. I'm okay. So I do. I look. Um, I, some days I look more than others, and then other days I'm like, wow, I didn't check for three hours. So 
Yeah, and it gets easier too. <laughs> and it's funny because I, I had a real concern in the beginning when share, you know, the feature came up. I thought, oh, this yeah. is going to burden people. And it just, you know, true to form, it didn't. It was something yeah. that was something that, and I, I say true to form because I think of things like, you know, when Facebook changes the layout of the front page <laughs> and for two days, people are just out of their minds. Why would they yeah. change this? This is how I liked it. It worked fine. This is going to mess me all up. And then three days yeah. later, I've never once heard anybody say that again. You, I don't even remember what it looked like. Like yeah. there's, we're at, there's an onslaught of information out there like you're not going to remember that it was blue or white or whatever people yeah. adjust pretty quickly and, yeah. and it's also a human nature to not want to adjust and so but but if you want these technologies to continue to improve you are going to be uncomfortable at points you, you know there are going to be moments when you're like oh but i'm accustomed to this don't change it yeah but it's cool to hear that that you got you know that didn't last for you very long and i have to say too i don't I really don't spend very much time looking at it at all, to be perfectly honest. It's just there when I need it. Yeah. And our daycare has, you know, the best thing for us is that our daycare has it. And it's just, um, we went through another round of training with them to try, because there's two people that sort of take care of him. But I think uh, one of them was on vacation a few weeks ago and I could see it dropping, dropping. And so I called and called and I couldn't get through and I called again. And finally someone picked up and they said, oh, Yes, well, he's sleeping. I'm like, you need to wake him up. <laughs> like, this is not good. We don't want him to. Like, I didn't say, but I'm like, I would like my child to wake up. I don't want him to continue sleeping for the rest of his life. Yeah, this might be the wrong kind of sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so, so I was like, wake him up, and I want to be there. I want to hear him. I want you to tell me that he's alert and give him. So they, so I, I gave them. You know, again, they don't they don't do this 24 seven. They do this for a good chunk of time, but they still, you know, it takes a long time to understand it and. I'm leaving my son with them. So the CGM has helped us that way because I can literally call and go, what's going on? And, you know, get them to back it up with a finger prick if need be, or yeah. just talk them through it. It's so, it is just very interesting listening to you this early on in the whole process. Like you're, <laughs> seriously, I don't mean it jokingly. Like no, you're, no, I know. You're, yeah. you're a year into it. You're a high, you're, listen, you're, you're a focused person. You're a high energy person. You, you, you're somebody who believes they can get something accomplished. You seem like, at first glance, the really wrong person to have a kid to get diabetes, right? But at the same time, but at the same time, you you seem like you're managing it, and and I and I really feel like I could talk to you a year and a half from now or two years from now, and you just wouldn't be this person anymore because I think it's difficult for people to understand. You know, my daughter was two when she was diagnosed, yeah. and she weighed about you know seventeen pounds at that time, um, and it's a different animal to have a, a person with diabetes who, who can't really articulate how they feel or their concerns or their fear or anything like that. You, you know, um, you do feel like you're, you do feel like you're just in the dark constantly. Yeah. And, and right. And you don't know if they're crying because they're two or they're crying because they are like high or low or, right. you know, like it's imminent death all day long. Like you're just like, what is going on? Yeah, no, I, by the way, I just have to say, I heard a noise in the background just now on your end. Oh, and because you're Canadian, I thought it was a wolf. <laughs> no, they are uh, wolf-like. My One of our creative directors uh, has her two twins in. Oh, okay. And me, so it's them running down the halls and screaming. Well, it's completely <laughs> unfair of me, because if you were calling me from any place in the United States, I would have just assumed it was something else. But you're, you're in Canada, yeah. so I imagine there's like a moose outside of your window. I'm... Maybe 
maybe for downtown Toronto with skyscrapers, but uh, like a mini Manhattan, I guess. It's, uh, it's but... unfair of me, I think is what I'm <laughs> no, saying. Okay. I'm sure there's a wolf. We do have major parkland, so I'm sure there isn't, uh, there's a coyote or at least a coyote pretty close. <laughs> I mean, they do, they do have news, news uh, clips a couple summers ago where people were throwing balls for coyotes. Oh. I, may, I may be making that up, but I'm pretty sure I heard that. You might be making up they're something playing, about balls and coyotes. <laughs> yeah, they were play, I think they were playing with the coyotes or something like that, like it was a dog. But don't quote me on that because everyone's going to think that we're really nuts up here. But. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that's not true. How does that part out? <laughs> well, okay, so what's been the biggest leap for you so far? You want to talk about a leap? How about understanding what your blood sugar is doing, how fast it's doing it, when it does it, what's impacting it? That's a leap. And that's exactly what you get with the Dexcom G5 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You see how slick I am there? I was like, this is what I said back when I recorded the podcast, and now it's an ad. All right, people, listen. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You want to be able to see your blood sugar? You want to see how fast it's moving? You want to see when I put juice in here, this is how long it takes to settle back out again? You want to get off the roller coaster? You have to understand the data that comes back from the Dexcom. You hear us talking about it every week on the podcast. It could not be any clearer. This is the way we roll. My daughter's A1C has been between 5.6 and 6.2 for now over four years. And I'm telling you that without the Omnipod insulin pump and the data that comes back from the Dexcom continuous glucose monitor, these things, these successes do not exist in our life. How about share and follow? How about that idea? How about being able to see someone's blood sugar when you're not with them? So it's not just these little successes you can have between five when you get home from work and you know before you go to bed or something like that, but you can see somebody's blood sugar on your phone when they're sleeping, when they're at school, when they're off at college, when they're in gym class, when they're playing softball, when they're playing soccer, you can see it always. This is definitely something you should be interested in. Please trust me. Please either click on the link in the show notes or go to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more. The Dexcom G5 continuous glucose monitor is a game changer. What's been the biggest leap for you so far? I know you seeing the blood sugar is a big deal and, and you get that, but, and you know, we talked about you know, taking care of higher blood sugars but how do you make all that happen? Is it, it, to me, your fear seems palatable. Like that, that's something I've heard over the last half an hour. You've mentioned a couple of different times being scared in the yeah. hospital, you know, at diagnosis, like, you know, blah, 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 when, when he's in daycare. So fear is like an overwhelming factor in your life still. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'd be really interested, you know, if we were, if we were friends and we were chatting about this, I'd be really interested in trying to get that, that part of this process gone for you because it's such a big leap after you stop being afraid. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think the hard part is, is that your medical, like we just had our three month appointment, uh, a couple, a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and got his A1C and it was seven and a half, which oh, I was nice. like, Oh, really? I was like, no, I want, why is it seven and a half? We need to get this lower. <laughs> but what anyway. was it? What was it prior? Uh, seven and a half, so it didn't change. Okay, but but seven and a half is very, first of all, very good, especially for a little kid. Yeah, um, you know, that's what they said. <laughs> yeah, well, you can't listen. That They're just trying to be nice to you. I know. Exactly. I'm telling you for real. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's 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 hard to, to pinpoint exactly what they're going to eat or not eat. It makes it diff more mm -hmm. difficult to pre-bolus. You know, they're, you know, they're, 
they take naps, you know, like in the middle of the day that, you know, you know, my daughter doesn't just decide to lay down. As a matter of fact, you know, when, when, when people go to sleep, I, I see with Arden all the time, when she finally goes to sleep, her blood sugar begins to fall almost all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. already, um, thinking about getting, uh, Jennifer Smith back on to talk about why your blood sugar gets low when you, Oh, that, that would be you, great. You sleep, right? Even last night, like, I'm like, is this normal that we're giving him like, I forgot somehow to get bananas in the, yesterday at the store, but I was like, well, we have honey and, and I love you. I think you said it once too. Like it's the funniest thing to see a child dead asleep eating and like searching for that food with their mouth. Like it's hilarious. Yeah. But, um, I forgot bananas. And, uh, so I gave him honey and it stabilized. Like I just did the nudging, like the sugar surfing, uh, nudging. Right. And, um, so that worked, but then like a few hours later, the alarms are going off and we did a little bit more. And so I didn't, I don't know if I, maybe I haven't listened to that episode yet, which I'll go back and listen to, but I didn't realize, cause I said, well, Bo was saying, I don't understand what's happening. Like maybe we need to, to drop his Levamir. And I'm like, no, we're not like, I'd rather give him a little bit extra to help him and be up five times a night than have him be high. It's just, that's where I am now. Like, whereas before I'd be like, I don't want to see a single digit cause it freaked me out. But that was before the CGM. Now like double digits are like the worst for me. And I mean, double digits, um, like a high number. Exactly. So I'd be like 10 times each. So that's 180. I could do that math in my head. Right. <laughs> so if I saw like a 180, yeah. I'd be like freaking out. Mm-hmm. But um, well, okay. So, so let's talk about that. I think that, you know, I just this morning before I spoke to you, listened to one of the podcasts that I like, um, Invisibilia, and they were talking about they were talking about emotions and how the the um, the standard concept that we have of emotions are that they happen to you. Mm-hmm. But there's this researcher who's making these kind of great, you know, inroads with the concept that some of your emotions are are not just happening to you, but you can be in control of them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would think just from listening to you for a little bit, keeping in mind, I have literally no training whatsoever in psychology that yeah. I think you're creating your fear. Probably. Yeah. Then so, and because you, you seem like cognitively you're not scared, but then your reaction pushes you to a place where you feel like you should be, which is afraid for his life. And, and I think yeah. if you, I think it's possible you might be your own trigger. Yeah. I, I need to figure out, I think you hit the nail on the head in, in some respects there. I think that my response to fear is to read as much as I can. Like that's why I'm going to night school for, to become a holistic nutritionist. Like mm-hmm. I work in advertising full time. I have a child with type one diabetes. I don't need to be going to night school two nights a week, really. But you're <laughs> but, trying to figure this out for your, for exactly. yourself. Yeah. Before the complications arise, I want to know that I can help support his liver. If he has liver constipation, I want to know that I can help support his kidneys in a holistic way versus just more dialysis and drugs and everything else. I want to be able to be prepared to read about that. I haven't, physically been able to read about and listen. I think there's a couple, I think you had a couple people on that talked about the death of their children. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did listen to one of them, I believe. And um, it was, it, it, you know, I wanted them to tell me exactly what not to do. <laughs> um, but obviously that wasn't the purpose of the podcast, but you know, it's, it's that. It's that, that you need to find exist. all the answers. No. Yeah, yeah. And and so I do think you're in a you're in a spot that I completely understand, by the way. Um, that you're just 
you're thinking about, but at the same time, I understand feeling that way, but I would want to encourage you not to, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think the idea that knowing for sure something's going to go wrong in the future is only going to sort of ruin now for you, you you know? And, and so the lesson you might want to take from, from the, the moms who have shared about their, their children passing away is, you know, uh, one in one in their early life and around 12 or 13 and one is a teenager just about ready to, to graduate school. I think one of the lessons there is they both said the same thing. They, they wouldn't have traded the mm-hmm. life, the life their kids got to live for the promise of more, because what if they, what if they just lived this sort of covered up, scared life and, and then got 40 years of fear instead of 24 years of happiness. Yeah. And, and I think you, you, you are in a really kind of strange, again, understandable, but, but, but spot that you, in my opinion, should get out of if you can, you know, because, yeah. because if something does happen 40 years from now to your son's liver, um, <laughs> you know, there's probably going to be I'm going to forget all my education. Well, there's going to be advancements <laughs> like by then that you can't imagine right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I think that my, my, my thought here is try to imagine that 40 years ago, somebody was trying really hard to come up with a way to, I don't know, regulate insulin better, except now that just sort of exists. Mm-hmm. And that person didn't, they weren't the one who did it. You, you know what I mean? Like, I think that even though you're living in the best possible time to have type one diabetes right now, that five years from now is going to be that much better. And 10 years from now is going to be that much better. And it's hard to, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I just have to tell Arden something. Um, she needs a couple of little snacks and for some reason is, is incapable of reading up two texts. Just, just what I'm like, well, just look up a little bit. It's right there. Um, you know, but, 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 but nevertheless, so, you know, there's going to be, you know, I, I know that, that people get promised all the time. You know, there's, there's that old adage. I was told there'd be a cure in five years, like that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so it's hard to say stuff like this, but I am, I have no back room information. I only know what's out in the public, but I would bet my house that we're all going to be using insulin pumps that talk to glucose monitors and have mm-hmm. an algorithm that decides on when to cut your insulin back and when to give you more insulin by 2018, 2019. And that is yeah. so close to now. It's, it's, yeah. unreal, you know, yeah. And I mean, I, I look at Mac will still only be like, under five. Right, right. And, and so so you trying to figure out a microbiotic that might support his liver better 35 years from now <laughs> may not be a good use of your time is what I'm saying. Uh, and so, and so, but but I, I don't want to, I'm not mocking you because I yeah. 1 million percent understand how you feel. Yeah. And when you're, and just like in the beginning when we were talking about not getting enough actionable uh, direction from doctors in the, in the vacuum <laughs> you do whatever you do because you're trying, yeah. you're trying to get somewhere, you're trying to get to something, trying to fix it, trying to get past it. And I just, yeah, we, we, when he was first diagnosed, I literally did. And I was probably a little bit, not judgy, but like, Oh, how come people don't know this? Like I, I researched anyone who'd found a cure for type one and, and I contacted about five or six scientists 
Um, there's a couple in Harvard and Princeton. I, there's one in Toronto that I messaged you about initially, um, who's doing that quick human clinical trial right now. Um, and so I did all this research and then, um, I think the, the I mean, I was, I was all right, all, always leaning towards, um, uh, trying to give my son a more healthy diet and trying not to, you know, or trying to limit his sugars in general before diagnosis and, and sure. had that mentality. Obviously, you, you know, if he didn't have type one, it would be a different, you know, you get, you're on the road and you're like, oh, here, sure, have McDonald's or here, sure, have this, you know, it's the ice cream truck is here, sure, it's Halloween, sure, you know, but because he has type one, you're not as, it's not as, it's not a go to as much as, as it would have been probably. But um, so I did all this research and the dietitian at the hospital handed me this sheet with food on it. And again, it was geared towards someone who was older because there was like Caesar salad on it and all this weird stuff. And I was like, what? Like, I wouldn't feed my kid this food. Like, <laughs> what is this? There's, and it, so it didn't give me the tools. And then they were saying, you need to feed him 90 grams of carbs a day. And I'm like, do you know how many, you know how much that is in a serving? Yeah, it's a little like, kid. He's 10 months old. Like, he can't eat a, like a half a cup of rice. Like, that would be all he could eat. Right. <laughs> like, you picture that on a plate. With the other things we're trying to get into him, like healthy proteins and vegetables and make some fruits, like, you know, he's going to be 500 pounds. So I was like, he can't eat that much. And luckily, like you talked about picky eaters, he was, he's a very, very good eater, right. um, almost to the, his detriment because he always wants more. But um, I was just like, this, there's got to be another way. And I just wasn't getting it through the dietitian. And Bo kept on saying, you got to stop fighting with the dietitian about this. And I said, well, I just, I'm not relenting. Like she handed me the Canada food guide, which is a debunked, you know, it's, it's a joke here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, sorry, I'm not feeding my kid this way. Like that's, that's not a valid way of eating anymore. And so I said to him, we have to go. So I tried to find a naturopath or someone that specialized in diabetes in pediatrics. Couldn't find anyone in the Northeast. So we flew down about a month or so after his diagnosis to Arizona and uh, met with a doctor there just to just to feel like I wasn't um, going to harm my child because the, the dietitian was basically like, you're going to starve your child. You're going to you're going to affect his development. And, you know, going back to the research, I found a study about children with epilepsy that were on a low carb diet and they didn't have um, they didn't have a study on the, on any developmental impact. But I brought that forward to my to my endocrinologist. And to his credit, he said, you know, I did some research on that and I'm going to contact the scientists who did the study to see if they had any developmental issues as, as part of it. So I really pushed my team to think outside the box and, and have a different dialogue because I just wouldn't put up with it. I was just like, I'm not having this discussion with you. Like, I'm not giving my son 90 carbs. I, I feel like, you know, four, three tablespoons of rice is an appropriate amount to give him. And plus, it's not working. Like, we weren't, we, we did what they said and it was, he was still out of control. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, well, I think I digress here, but. <laughs> no, no, it's funny when you, when you, what I just heard you say is, is just something you hear all the time. You know, there's a, a nutritionist in front of you, somebody in front of you who said like, basically, look, I have this laminated card here and what it <laughs> says is 90 carbs. So uh, I was told that this is for nutrition. So obviously, if you don't eat the ninety carbs, uh, your child's going to suffer from malnutrition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so what you're what you're faced with is maybe not bad information, but information that's not completely thought through properly by the people who are, are passing it on to you. And, yeah. and that's that's tough because what I what what they should have said was, 
hey, listen, if, you know, a little bit less rice is working for him, then we'll keep track of his growth and we'll see. Like, you know, because they they can do that curve and follow and follow that curve. And as long as they see growth, then you're doing well. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Plus, I, I really dislike the 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 concept that comes from and I, I just mentioned this the other this, and I'm going to say it again like this and I'm because these episodes are getting out of order I'm confused at this point but <laughs> um but I don't like the idea that you know when when somebody says you do this and if you don't do that you failed mm-hmm. you know or they decide they can't figure out how to motivate you properly so then mm-hmm. they try to shame you into doing it or starvation ketones. That's awesome to hear. Right, right. <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm like, are you telling me? I'm like, just so in, in, in Canada, we have 12 months um, for maternity leave. Mm-hmm. And so he was diagnosed at 10 months. I'm supposed to be going back to work in the, in two months. We had lined up our daycare. Daycare was like, you know, uh, I don't know if we can take him anymore. We're not prepared to, right. to have this child in our care. Um, so all this stuff is coming, crashing down, and I had a finite amount of time to get everything organized to the point where I, you know, I could leave my child, who I don't even know how to care for yet, with someone else. Yeah. And and then <laughs> and then on top of it, they're like, oh, like, like I heard starvation ketones, and I'm I'm going to harm my child's development and cognitive issues and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, my head is spinning. I don't understand how you can look at my son's diet. And he's he was at the time like again before like I was feeding him this way. You know, I had a plan to feed him this way anyway, but he was having beet greens and everything was like, there's some, some spinach and everything was homemade and holistic. And, and so he was already doing that. I'm like, you're, I said, how can you look at my son's diet who has five to 10 different food items every single meal? And you're telling me that this isn't healthy. What child do you know eats, eats beet greens or almond pancakes or, you know what I mean? So like, then here's my question to you, right? When you're, when you're providing that much nutrition for your child, and a nutritionist, is t- a nutritionist is telling you that the difference here is rice. Uh, you know, you need without more rice, you, you need more. Car- uh, what I want to ask you, and I want to be delicate because I'm not. I don't want to shame you, but yeah. but why didn't you just go? Why didn't you just nod your head and go, okay, 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 okay? I know okay. it's not in me. And Bo then walk the out and just do what you were doing. Yeah, Bo does that. He's like, why are you arguing with her? Just nod and say sure. And I'm like, because I want her to understand she's she's not giving the right information. It was like, it was almost like my duty to to educate her to say, you know, have you ever scooped out 90 grams of carbs on a plate and divided it among three meals? Have you ever done it? So what I would say, what I would say in that situation is I, I have to tell you that I feel like this is not good advice. I'm not going to be taking it. And I really wish you would reconsider giving it to other people. Yeah. And and I, yeah. And I think at the time, like that was when we were first, so the, and the first, so that we get, we get released after, um, into diabetes daycare at the hospital. Again, a really great program, really, you know, overall really great tools, but, um, there's some elements that obviously weren't effective for me. Um, but we get released in there and they order when they finally get the crib in the room and they order, they order his lunch. And I just been in the hospital ordering to, in, in the hospital, you basically get a menu and you could order whatever you want for your, sure. the, the three meals and everything. So I was ordering him salmon and, and steamed vegetables. So I know that they have it at the hospital. It'll be the same kitchen that they order from. So his first meal that he gets delivered for him out of, out of uh, DKA and out of the hospital is she, she, the dietitian had ordered macaroni and cheese, a white roll and milk. <laughs> And at the time, I was like, I know, funny. It's funny. I know. At the time, I'm like, oh, he's going to love this. He's never had mac and cheese because I hadn't, I was still so exhausted. I hadn't, I didn't do any of the research. I hadn't done the research yet to understand 
the impact of carbs on his blood sugars. Right. So this is what they give him. I was like, so afterwards I was like, oh my gosh, this is the person who's giving me dietary advice. They ordered him mac and cheese. Like, what the hell? And he's 10 months old. He doesn't eat a bowl. Like, <laughs> but there's no, there's not even a vegetable in the plate. <laughs> it's really super interesting to be perfectly honest. And it, you know, I mean, there's, there are, there are three things that, you know, I wouldn't mix with each other if I if I didn't have to, you, you know. Not that Arden doesn't eat white bread; she does. Not that she hasn't had macaroni and cheese. I think she had it this week with like chicken. But you know, and milk. Uh, she gets mostly milk from from cereal and things like that. But mm-hmm. but but the point is, is that if you put all three of them together. I'm fairly adept at bolusing, and I would look at that and go, "Oh boy, um, okay. like yeah, let me figure out how to do that because that to me seems like it requires a lot of insulin, <laughs> yeah. and and I don't have a your ten month old doesn't have a glucose monitor at that point. Yeah. It, it's a it's a leap to tell me, hey, let's really carb up here. And but I think what you're what you're seeing is is that they weren't going to be that aggressive with the insulin. So the the goal was maybe to t- maybe maybe the goal was to teach you, "Hey, look, don't restrict anything. It'll mm-hmm. be okay and and the blood sugar is going to get high and it'll come down later." And there that is how people there some people think about it that way. Well, and and you we know? like I said, like we until I listened to your Be Bold with Insulin podcast, mm-hmm. the concept of treating the high wasn't there. And I like so at my 3-month appointment as I mentioned I said to them, like, and I know that, and I think you had said before, you're like, I just don't tell, or we just don't, most of us don't tell our endocrinologist what we're doing. We just sort of say, yeah, this is great. Yeah, thanks for the advice and move on and just continue on with, you know, our pre bulletin I and wish our- you could be in my endo appointment. <laughs> I tell them, I'm, like, I'm not doing that. I'll do this. How did you get this like that? Oh, I did that. We don't recommend that. Don't yeah. you? That's interesting. That's what, that was mine. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was my nurse, and she's like, well, Karina, that's stacking. And I'm like, yeah, I said, you know what? I said, I will not tolerate a high anymore. Uh, I'm done with it. And she looked at me like, what? And I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. Like we can't get his A1C down to where you want it into that safe range without doing this. Like it's, 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 I think it's virtually impossible. You cannot simple math. control it. it it's very <laughs> simple math. Afraid of it? If your blood sugar is at this for this amount of time, your A1C is going to be this. So yeah. having a person tell you, look, macaroni and cheese, don't worry about it. Pre-bolusing, I wouldn't even bother if I was you. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. They didn't, they didn't even tell us about that. What, like, I had no idea. Yeah, and what's he 200? Just, don't worry about it. Yeah. Hey, why is your A1C not lower? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so you're a bad doctor. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> and, but and, and the thing is, like, they're so they're so smart. I just that's why I'm like, I'm like, do you need more parents in the program to help? You know, with your program development. I don't know. Like, it just is so shocking to me that we're expected to control everything with carbs. And carbs to me, like, for a long time was a big bad four letter word. And so again, listening to your podcast and how free you are with. Um, you know, allowing Arden to have, you know, quote unquote, a normal life and normal food choices and things like that. Like I, you know, it helps me ease back a little bit. I'm not fully there yet, but (laughs) I do believe like as soon as, um, I know I really do believe in carb intake. No, I (laughs) think, I think it's coming for you too. I just think that, listen, I think you're sabotaging yourself a little bit, but I think you're getting to it and I I can't, I can't fault you. I want to give you, I want to tell you two simple like kind of like colloquial ideas. So first of all, my son plays baseball constantly. And there's this thing that happens in coaching where if you're good, 
coaches want to be able to at some point say they had something to do with it. So yeah. even if you're having success, you'll you'll see somebody come up and say, hey, you should try this because they want to put their stamp on you so that when you succeed, they can even if it's just in their own heart, they can say, I had a part of that. You, yeah. you know what I mean? And so here's something I taught my son a really long time ago, and it is definitely the smile and nod. You just go, absolutely. I understand. Yes. OK, I'm on it. I got it. Thank you. And then walk away yeah. and do what works for you. Yeah, I have a master then, but we'll tell you. She needs she needs the smile and nod, not the talking. She needs the smile and nod and backing into the room. Oh yeah, you don't you no know, constant. And by the way, because keep this in mind, let's take it a step further. Your nutritionist has a job. Yes. Being a nutritionist at a hospital, if what they understand about nutrition or what they're saying is not valuable, then what are they doing there? And at some point, <laughs> I'm protecting my job. I was told to tell you this. I get paid to tell you this. I'm telling it to you. And then, you know, the dietitians at the hospital are government-directed, uh, so they do have to follow the Canada Food Guide. So until that changes, I don't know that their right. nutrition advice is going to change. And they do say it doesn't matter, like literally, and I'm sure you heard this as well, it doesn't matter what you feed him, we'll just match his insulin. Oh, and by the way, I don't have a problem with that. But you yeah. have to time the insulin. You can't just, the amount of it doesn't count. You, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll give Arden almost anything. Yeah. Uh, but... It's not just the amount. It's not like, wow, that's a lot of carbs. That's going to be a lot of insulin. It's, wow, that's a lot of carbs. That's going to be a lot of insulin. I really have to time this correctly so that when these carbs are trying to make their effect on her blood sugar, that insulin is fighting back in an equal and, and, and specifically timed way. You know, I had to figure that out because it's so brilliant. It's, like I said, it's nah, been a it's, game it's, it's, it, it's literally not brilliant. It's tug of war. If yeah. you pull on one side and I don't pull on the other side, you fall over and vice versa. And when we're both pulling equally, that rag just sits in the middle of that rope and never moves. You can pull forever. and It's not going to matter. You just need the insulin and the carbs to be pulling at the same time. And you need them to get done at the same time or in yeah, reasonably so speaking, the same side. Yeah. It's a very basic idea. I learned it by watching the Dexcom graph. You know, I just, I was like, oh, okay, the insulin went in here and she got low but then, you know, 25 minutes later, she started getting high. So that means that the food didn't start really hitting her until 25 minutes. What was in that meal? Oh, you know what? It was a real heavy meal. There was no simple sugars, nothing that would affect her very quickly. It's stuff that took a little long time to it. And then she had like a, like a high later. Why? Well, because it was a, I don't know, there was a bagel or a pretzel. And it's still sitting in her stomach and dissolving slowly and giving off sugar. And so now my insulin's gone, but the bagel's still being digested. Like, like then I was like, wow, okay, so maybe I should do an extended bolus and stretch that insulin out a little more because I don't need a big burst of insulin up front. There's no simple sugar. So let it go in slower. Or if it's a mix of stuff that's more simple sugars that your body's going to pick up quicker and, you know, and it's a long lasting, then maybe what I need is more insulin and have it extended. And it just started working. I, I gave her Arden's. Um, yesterday her lunch pre-bolus is going to be very similar to what it what it's going to be today because right now today her blood sugar is 66 so it was 71 while we were talking uh, it was 70 right before you and I started talking we, cu we cut her basil off for a half an hour but we were still have some insulin left over from a high blood sugar from early in the morning so to early in the morning before she woke up uh, Arden's blood sugar got high and I didn't wake up for the CGM. 
So I had to address a 200, a, a big blood sugar, like 250 for us, which is really big. So I gave her a bunch of insulin, but I didn't give her enough to like crash her. I needed her to come down slowly because she was on her way to school. So she's been drifting down over these, the, you know, the first couple hours of school. She got the 130 to 120 to 101 and then 90 and 80. And she got the 75. And I said, hey, shut your basil off for a half an hour. And I, I did it too late. And mm -hmm. so she hit 66 or she hit 70 and right there. And I sent her a text while you and I were talking and she's got like some fruit snacks. And I told her to eat half the pack of them. So um, that's like 3.9. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, so, you know, not far from her range, but 70, 70, yeah. to, we try for 70 to 130. So, um, yeah. and by the way, too, she hasn't tested. She's at school. It's possible she could test and she's really 85. Because yeah. she, she ate the yeah. fruit snacks right now, and the CGM yeah. is going to be behind by a couple of minutes. And what I'm yeah. watching is is the very gentle bend at the end of the three-hour line, and it's bending back up again. Yeah. So there's part of me that thinks in one more minute when this thing cycles again, I'm going to be able to tell you her blood sugar is a little higher than this, yeah. which is an indication to me that it is still going up. And I don't want it to go flying up because 20 minutes from now, I need to give her insulin for lunch. Yeah. And so... The concept here will be is if she's still in the 70s, 20 minutes from now, I still have to give her, I'm pretty sure that her her lunch today is going to need nine units of insulin. And so oh, my yeah. con my concept here is, is that I'm going to give her nine units of insulin 20 minutes from now. And if her blood sugar is 70 or 75, I'm going to extend it out. I'm going to give her 0% of it up front. None of it. Yeah. And I'll extend the rest out over a half an hour. So that by the time she sits down and eats... The first four-ish units have been put in, but they're not even working yet. Yeah. So she starts eating with a 75 blood sugar, and just as the food starts to hit her, the insulin starts to work. And that's it. It literally that's, that's could be so simple. simple. Yeah, it's very simple, right? It's very, very simple. We don't we don't have a pump yet, so like that is blowing my mind right now. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready. But but it's very simple because because it is, because I've done it a billion times. You yeah. might have listened to it and been like, yeah, yeah, those words are simple, but how do I make that happen? And yeah. But the way you make that happen is experience by seeing it happen over and over again until you trust this is what happens in this situation. Once you can trust it, then you can work with it. And by the way, it'll go wrong once in a while. Once a year, it'll go wrong. And yeah. when it goes wrong, we get alerted and then we do something else. You know, if, if, if me being all like bold right now with her blood sugar sitting at 70 gets sideways on me in the next 10 minutes and she's all of a sudden diagonal down and in the 60s, well, then I'll have her drink some juice. Yeah, and I feel so much more in control with the lows now. Like, again, yeah. because I listen to you and like we can treat them. It's trying, it's, it's cutting, it's, a, it's that nudging concept, which I love. Mm -hmm. It's just trying to get that arrow to go horizontal and then we can take a couple of breaths and see where we're going and you know, figure out the plan. And a lot it's, of it's, by the way, with great thanks to, if you go all the way back to an episode called Rick lives on a boat, because mm -hmm. I was talking to Rick and he lives on a boat. Um, and I'm not that imaginative when I make up the titles <laughs> of the, of the podcast episodes, but he said, you know, he's like, I, I, I found out that people who don't have type one diabetes, their blood sugar goes down into the mid sixties and stays there sometimes for an hour. And, and they I, don't I panic. I'm like, well, I said, what are we comparing this to? Like, what is a normal person without type one? What do their blood sugars do? And they don't give you that information. So I like, I'm really fond of context. Right. And I under, like, I like, you know, even with my A1C, I was like, 
but because they were one of the first A1Cs we had, I think it was, I think, I don't think we've ever gotten more than eight and a half, but um, I said, you know, but this is eight and a half, but that's artificial because he's had so many lows, it's going to bring his highs down. So why are we even talking about this? And the endocrinologist is like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, but the A1C is an indication of his overall health and it's artificial. So what are we doing here? <laughs> well, I have to, I have to completely say that anybody that heard you just say that, I really want to tell you, go back around episode 100 somewhere and listen to all about A1C with Jenny Smith, CDE. It, it is a really great episode where we, all, yeah. me and a, a, um, a certified diabetes educator that I love and trust beyond trust, we just talk about it for an hour and a half. Um, it, it just, it, you're 100% right. Context. It's important. It, it's very important. Uh, so, you know, you know, it just, you need those tools, right? I was going back to what I was saying, like what, what makes that easy for me? It's that I know how the insulin works on my daughter and that I know what the food's going to do to her. And then I just balance those two things and I put them together. And I've, I've, I've tried to explain it a million different ways over the podcast, but in the end, you're just lining those two things up so that they work at the same time. Sometimes I think about it as like the scales of justice, except both scale sides have a hole in the middle and I'm trying to fill them with sand and keep them balanced at the same time. Yeah. And so you put sand in and then you got to put some in the other side, then it runs out. You just sort of keep putting it in and you just, if you put it in the right spots, the scale never moves, you, yeah. you know? And so you just have to add carbs or add insulin or subtract carbs or subtract insulin at the appropriate times. Yeah. I, I feel so much like today compared to last year, like, I just didn't have control and he'd be high and we didn't have any tools to do anything. And I'd, I'd listen and read. I'm like, but we weren't told to give him extra injections. You know, he's maybe it's cause he's not at a pump, but I realize now it's because they were, you know, obviously afraid with his age, him going so low. Um, but now that we have the CGM, I'm so much more able to, you know, take those leaps and understand that I have, that it's in my control to correct it. I can, you know, there is genuinely no, nothing wrong with being, very cognizant of that, aware of it, and and respectful of it. Yeah. But you can't be fr- afraid of it. No, and I even changed his so his his warnings before were much broader. Mm-hmm. And I literally I'm like, no, I'm so confident now. I'm going to tighten that up. I'm not there. I'm not. I, don't, I never keep the, the lines. Never seem to stay in there for very long. But they're there. Like they're tightened. I just have to get to the point where I can get that more balanced line. But <laughs> well, well, and I want to say good for you, by the way, because. Far too often, I hear people say, oh, I have a glucose monitor, but you know, I have the high threshold set at 300 because I don't want that thing bothering me. And I'm like, wait, what's it for then? Yeah. It, 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 so it, it, you need a little, hey, your blood sugar's getting out of range. Um, handle it now before later. It's so much simpler to stop you know, a diagonal up 130 arrow and get it back to 110 than, yeah. than it is to be told an hour from now, hey, wow, look, your blood sugar's been dry- climbing for an hour and a half and you're 250 now. What am I going to do? Get, get more sleep? Like I don't get any sleep anyway. So I might as well be up and being productive. Then you're, you're going to get more sleep one day. Don't worry. Just don't listen. Here's the goal: don't die before that moment. And then if you can, do, or don't go crazy and get out in your car like Tiger Woods and start driving around or something like that. Because if you if you can if you can hold yourself together until that spot, you will get more sleep. So I just read this morning sidebar that Tiger wasn't actually driving; he was asleep in the passenger side, and he still got arrested. I'm like, that's really bad luck. <laughs> He's um, good. He'll get out of that, by the way. But, yeah, for sure. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I have two questions for you because um, we have, so we often have minimal ketones. Mm-hmm. 
And our dietitians are always freaking out and like not giving enough because they know my mentality. They're like, you're just not giving him enough carbs. I'm like, but we are. He's getting, you know, rice or, or, or sweet potato or, you know, some sort of carb like that with every so meal. Your, your dietitian thinks that your son has ketones because of like starvation ketones. Like, like he yeah. doesn't eat enough food and he's in ketosis. Which because, might... of, because of my previous, you know, arguments with them. I think they just immediately go there. But I'm asking you, does he eat on a regular schedule? Oh, yeah. Are there some yeah. carbs in what he's eating? Yes. Every minute. Are his blood sugars a little elevated? Sometimes, yep. Yeah, I think that's probably that. Well, then why don't they, like, so they accuse me because I'm like, does everyone have no ketones? Really? Like, no one has, everyone has zero. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, I think ketones don't, de- listen, they're dangerous, obviously, and they're a sign that, you know, they can be a sign that DKA is coming, which is, I think, why the doctor's so crazy about, you know, talking to you about them i'd maybe go to a different source to get the answer not from me obviously because you know the extent of my day so far is i've cleaned a pot and a pan and i'm planning on cutting (laughs) the lawn later so but but you know go to somebody who really knows because if he's getting enough nutrition and it's not that then really what your concern should be is is you know do you have enough insulin you know maybe maybe you're not using enough slow acting insulin because you're not on a pump yeah. Right. And so if you find yourself, um, you know, injecting a lot to affect things, that could be because you don't have enough background insulin. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have enough background insulin for all day long, then you are going to see ketones, I imagine. And I think it's really hard with him because he's so we have increased his Levomir in certain instances. And at one point, his daytime Levomir was like two units. His nighttime Levomir was a half a unit. Do you, because he was so you do split so it? You give it to him every 12 hours? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And now now his nighttime one is up to two, and his daytime is still running a bit higher mm-hmm. at two and a half. But um, it's just been like, I, 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 you know, no, everyone I, talks about growth spurts and whatever else. And, you know, so I think it's just going to be trial and error, and I need to be comfortable. I'm, I'm trying to be comfortable in that, sure. you know uneasiness <laughs> no no it's not it's definitely not easy and you're not the first person i've spoken to by the way from canada who has issues because of the way the healthcare is set up and and mm-hmm. what they are allowed they're very stringent about what they're allowed to say and what they're not allowed to say and it's different down here it, it, it's not oh the government told me to say this so i said that right. down here it's hey we have you know, we're protecting ourselves from litigation that's not what we, yeah that's yeah, not what not we good. recommend yeah and and you know when when a doctor tells you that's not what we recommend Many times what they mean is, I have a better idea of what to do, but our lawyers have told us not to say that, so that's not what we recommend. And you're in a very similar, just Canadian version of that. You know, yeah. this, this is what the laminated card says, so... Yeah, you know. yeah, and I mean, this is what is covered, this is what's not covered, and so you just sort of make those decisions, I guess, based on what's available to you. So are you thinking, we are way, we're up on an hour, but do, are you thinking Sorry. about a pump? Yeah, and again, our only hesitation, you know, as I mentioned on the in the top half, is he's got so little real estate on his little body, mm-hmm. um, so that's been an, an, a mental issue for us to get over. And also, we sort of wanted it to be his decision, um, but 
I think, um, you know, the fact that there's the Omnipod and there's not all those other contraptions, that's much more appealing to me. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, we've gone to the card, so the, in, in Toronto, I don't know if it's Canada wide, but in Toronto you have, um, in order to get a pump, you have to go to card counting classes, which are not very helpful. And also two pump classes. So we've gone to the card counting classes and then we just have to go to the pump classes okay. in order to be qualified to get the pump. So. Well, let me give you um, some advice, which I don't often do. I, both of the things that you're concerned about, you won't be concerned about after you do it. Yeah. So the the real estate on his body, and you know, like you said, if you're going to go with a with the tubeless pump, then you're not going to things aren't going to be hanging off. He's not going to have to wear like a belt with his pump in it or something like that. Um, you'll be much happier afterwards. I, yeah. you, you can go back and listen to any number of these episodes when people answer those questions. And yeah, I don't know what I waited so long for. I can't believe I was scared. You know, I felt ridiculous later because I made such a big deal out of it. You know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone says the same thing. And by the way, some people don't say the same thing. Those people, yeah. those people don't have pumps. But I think that, I think that the, the odds are with you, that you're just yeah. going gonna to be fine. I would try to, um, you know, because I'm, I'm looking out for your, 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 not your husband, obviously, but your significant <laughs> other. But uh, I'm looking out for him by telling you I think that this is just another area where maybe you're, maybe you're your own trigger. Just, well, it's, yeah. this one, I will say, is more him than me. Oh, well, he's a, <laughs> then he's a son of a bitch. He's not perfect. <laughs> he's not perfect. Let's you, let you be con confused. Well, he's he looks not. at you like you're crazy. Of course he's not perfect. Um, <laughs> it, it's just, it's another one of those, it's, you know, now that becomes a... Um, this isn't how I imagined my kid. Yeah, thing. exactly. And exactly. so tell him to try, try to imagine him like that and then everything will be fine. Yeah. And we moved to CGM. So CGM, like the nurse told us it needs to go on his stomach because of his age. And for the longest time, like since we've had it, I mean, it doesn't seem like that long, but it's, you know, a day, a week goes by with type one diabetes and it feels like months. So we've only had our CGM for, for, I guess since February, but, um, we finally just, I, I saw someone else on Instagram had, had just a child similar age to Mac and she had his CGM on, on his arm. And I was messaged her and said, Hey, I said, you know, what's with the arm? Like, you're good to do that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, after all these questions, she's like, Oh yeah, we've never done the stomach. And so then right then I said, we're changing it. You know, Arden's <laughs> has never been on our stomach. Yeah, Arden's has never been on her arm, by the way. Oh, where does it go? She wears hers on her hips. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So um, there's sort of that, I've described it before, but real quickly, there's um, you know, a, kind of a space between the point of your hip and the round, yeah. the roundness of your butt curve that's a little flat. And yeah. she, she just puts them there with the, um, with the wire headed towards the cheek. Mine's not flat anymore, so I'm trying to feel it. But <laughs> You're like, I'll get where it used to be flat. <laughs> flat, flat. Yeah. Thank you very much. But, you know, there's that spot there. So between the yeah. – and, and Arden's ex insanely active yeah, and, yeah, and, I, and slides playing softball all the time, and we've never, ever had an issue with it. That, as a matter of fact, I've only had one ripped off in, in recent or any memory, and it was because her and my son were messing around. And yeah. my son reached out and, like, quite literally grabbed at her and grabbed the, her shorts and – the whole rig at the same time which is and, always fun yeah, yeah. And, and and oh she yelled at him and then we changed yeah. it. i have to get off there data <laughs> so anyway um thank you so much for coming on i genuinely at this point think that you could come back a year from now we could just call the next episode calm karina but <laughs> but, but i but i you know listen i want to say again i'm not a therapist obviously but but you 
you know, you, I think you are so close to making a leap for yourself. Um, I think if you trust yourself a little more and don't worry about the future that you can't control and stop trying to help people that aren't you, I think you're okay after that. You know, I think you won't be arguing with your doctors. You won't be searching because, you know, the search for a cure, like I did, I didn't say it to you back then, but you were talking about how you contacted everybody who's looking for a cure. Here's what I think about a cure. Uh, There's probably never going to be a cure for type one diabetes, but there could be. And I live every day hopeful that there is, but I don't live every day expecting that there will be. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of it is I never think about it because if someone cures type one diabetes, it'll be on the news. I'll find out, you you know, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, so searching for it, it's not like it exists and you haven't found it, Mm -hmm. you you know? And so I I think if you can take sort of some of that, some of that like searching out of your head, it it would be really, it was helpful for me, but I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm telling you from experience. I used to get up every morning and scour the internet for ideas that diabetes was about to be uh, cured or that it had been cured and just somehow magically no one had told anybody. Uh, you know, and it's just obviously not the case. So Yeah, it's funny because I stopped, like, it's funny that you say that because I laughed myself not too long ago. I said, I remember when I used to wake up and do that exact thing or spend all night just researching. And if, if, if there was a news article that came out a few months ago um, with the cure, I would not know about it because I just haven't done it. I haven't done any looking. It's, um, you know, I'm happy if someone reaches out and says, Hey, by the way, but you know, you know, it's the same thing. Like you're just too busy doing your own life, like you're living your own life. <laughs> and there's also something to be said for the fact that there's something called research season where researchers need more money. So they find <laughs> people to write articles about how great everything they're researching is so they can get more money, which by the way yeah. is needed. And I'm fine with all that. But it causes, it can cause a newly diagnosed person or a person who's new to any disease to get unreasonably hopeful all of a sudden. Like, oh, they cured diabetes. The first time I found out they cured a mouse of type 1 diabetes, I was just like, oh, so this is just about over. You you know, and then then I realized that many, many mice have been cured of a lot of type 1 diabetes. And, And it's in no way indicative that something's on the horizon. So yeah. My opinion, I uh, if you're if you're thinking Omnipod, I'd get one now, and mm-hmm. you already have a CGM, and probably in the next, I'd say less than two years, those two devices will be talking to each other, and a lot of what you're doing right now will just be gone. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so stop trying to fix the future because you don't know what the future is <laughs> going to be. I'm going to give you my favorite quote about this, and I just gave it to a friend the other day in a private phone call. Worry is a waste of imagination. Oh, that's great. You are just imagining what you think is going to go wrong. You have no way to know if it's true or not. Yeah, Bo's going to love you. He's going to be like, see, I tell you this all the time. Don't worry about the future. <laughs> just look at him and go, I know you think I'm crazy. Shut up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's not your BFF. <laughs> well, listen, I, you, you're really delightful, and I'm, I'm super glad we did this. But I have to, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to do Arden's pre-balls. And like I said, I'm going to cut the lawn. And I have to go grocery shopping. There's a lot for me to do today, Corinne. Sure so um, I don't want Thank anybody to be jealous. Time. But I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Bye. How about Karina coming on and being so amazingly open and honest? Thank you so much, Karina, for sharing your story. As always, if you're interested in being on the Juice Box podcast, reach out to me and let me know. I'm always looking for people to interview, always looking for great stories, always looking for compelling ideas. 
and just honesty. Something that people can listen to and understand, see themselves in, so they can learn and grow and live better with type one. If you think you have that kind of story, let me know. Thank you so much to Omnipod and Dexcom for sponsoring the Juicebox podcast. You can always go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or the links in your show notes or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Again, the links in your show notes. And don't forget, there's another link in there today. If you're an Omnipod user, you're loving the product and you'd like to leave a Google review, it's super simple to do. Omnipod is looking for your feedback. Hey, if you're still listening, the show is pretty much over. But uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you're just listening for the first time. Find me on social media and remember that I'll be back next week and every week with another episode. Thanks for listening.